people, people listen up. This is Julie Dexter. Now is the time. With Steve Rock on LiveConversationsRadio.com. I am. I am love and I am hate. I agree and yet I also debate. I am joyous laughter as well as distraught tears. I am brave and yet have so many fears. I can make life and yet continue to kill. I do what others do but still follow my own will. I am work and yet I am play. I am conversation but don't always have something to say. I am selfish, I can also share. I am abundant hope and I am despair. I am the sunshine and I am the rain. I reach the end and then I'm compelled to start all over again. Yes, now is the time. I'm your host Steve Rock and you're listening to LiveConversationsRadio.com. Welcome back to the second half of the show where we're talking about how much is enough, how much is enough anything, how do we know when how much we have to offer is enough, how much do we have to give, how much is enough generally in life. And the second part of the show is going to be focusing on creative expression, how much is enough creative expression. Do you express yourself creatively at all? And what is being creative? Is being creative nothing more than just combing your hair a particular way? I do believe that we're all inherently creative. That's what we're here to do. We're here to create. That's what it's all about. But so often, so many people say to me, well, Steve, that's okay. You're creative. You write, you do your radio, blah, 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 excuses. To be creative can be viewed upon as getting a new way to go to the office. That is being creative. Being creative, as I said earlier, can be combing your hair a different way. Let's not restrict how we express ourselves creatively because if we can express ourselves creatively, in every area of our lives, in, in communication, in work, in love, in life, then maybe our life could look, will start to look a little bit more vibrant, a little bit more like we want it to look. We shouldn't restrict our expression because if we continue to restrict our expression, we can restrict who we are and what we can achieve and that's not what we're here to do sorry as i'm talking to you i've got a, a little pen holder i got from saint lucia back in 1995 and i'm going to read it to you um it just seems like, like the right thing to do right now it's called the secrets of life and it's on the back of my wooden pen holder the secrets of life take time to think it is the source of power take time to play it is the secret of perpetual youth Take time to be friendly. It is the road to happiness. Take time to work. It is the price of success. Take time to pray. It is the greatest power on earth. And take time to love and be loved. It is the way of God. I don't know who wrote that. And um, I would give them credit if I knew who wrote it. But I think that's that's wonderful. Um, that's about expression. 
because if we take time to think we can express ourselves truly as opposed to just um, repeating what we read or what we hear and take time to play that's also expression how often do we play as adults you know we, we go to work and we pay bills and we feed the children and we fill the car but we've got to express ourselves through play um, and when we know how much we can express ourselves in these different arenas and then I do believe life will look a hell of a lot more colourful, take time to be friendly, take time to work, which is also a form of expression. What I'm driving at here is that we are so many things and the poem I Am is about that. It's, there's, there's so many things, so many facets to who we are and we just need to express ourselves fully and then we can um, discover how much is enough because when we delve deep, as I said in the first part of the show, once we delve deep into how much we have to give, then we can start setting correct parameters as opposed to living within the parameters that have been set before us. Coming up now is our first telephone interview um, via a medium I call vocalportrait.com. There's details at the end of the interview about how you can become part of the vocal portrait. Enjoy. In our world so fixated by celebrity, Vocal Portrait celebrates the everyday wisdom discovered in the everyday people you might meet on the street. Each of us has something to say, something to share, and something to learn, no matter where we are from, where we are at, or where we are going. Vocal Portrait, a place where you can say what it is you believe and allow those who listen to make up their own mind. The question is, will you run the risk of being heard? Welcome to this week's Vocal Portraits. Okay, my name is Mary Venetia Guinness. I am the Artistic Director of Culture Mix Arts. We do music, education, orchestra development and training and development for young people who wish to access realistic opportunities in the creative industries. Well, that's pretty concise. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's deep. That is deep, that it's is deep, fun. that is deep. It's fun. How did you arrive at, um, in this role? Um, I've always had a passion for music, the arts and carnival being originally from Trinidad. I've always had a great interest in sort of carnival culture, um, costume making, dance, music, all those areas. And uh, explored, explored theatre, fashion and uh, contemporary music uh, throughout my sort of career in the arts so far and uh, found that there's a great demand and great interest and curiosity in steel pan instrument which is an instrument that originates from Trinidad and is now basically a global phenomena um, so developed uh, the work I was doing to focus on those areas particularly in terms of education okay. and orchestra development okay you have a musical background I have a musical background what can you play I started off playing piano, classical piano, and then progressed on to percussion, most 
specifically djembe, which is an African drum, yeah. and uh, then drum kit, bass guitar, guitar, um, steel pan, and all sorts of other percussion instruments. Mm-hmm. When you, what was your first instrument? Piano. Piano. Yeah. What made you want to play the piano? When I was very young, um, everybody had a piano in their home, so that was a sort of pretty much a tradition um, that most people had a piano and entertained themselves using a piano. My mother played piano, um, and she sung, and my father liked singing as well, but my uncle came round one day, I must have been about, I don't know, five or six, and uh, he played Blue Moon on the piano. He had these huge hands, absolutely enormous hands and could probably do one and a half octaves spread on the piano at the time. It seemed a huge amount. His hands seemed to just smother the whole instrument. And he played Blue Moon, and, and it made me feel so full of joy, I decided then that I wanted to play piano. That was that defining moment for you? That was the defining moment. And how often do you remember that defining moment in your day-to-day practice? Every time I play piano, I remember that. Steve, man. Mm. Do you you relive? Do you remember it um, with your heart, or do you remember it with your head? I remember it with my heart. I uh, see. This is what this is what I'm interested in now. You see, part of this uh, reason for this call basically is to discover how you make or how you've arrived to be at the point you are in your life. How bigger battle has it been between your head and your heart? There's never a battle between my head and my heart and my heart because I am totally driven by um, my passion, desire, inspiration and ultimately my instinct uh, because I believe uh, that um, goals that are driven um, emotionally are much more achievable than those that are academically driven. Okay, okay. So, your, how can I put this, your passion is your heart space mm-hmm. for you. How would you let people uh, make that switch? Let's just say we've got someone who makes a lot of decisions mm-hmm. in their head. What ways, techniques, methods, thoughts do you have on becoming a bit more heart-focused? I think a good technique is um, it's to, I mean, you can use the gut reaction thing, but you've got to, that, you've got to be fairly practiced at that, at, at recognising uh, a gut reaction in a way that can help you to make a, a decision, because a decision is made in your mind rather than your heart. You know, the, the instinct, the instinctive feeling you have is what is the deciding factor, what makes you able to make that intellectual decision, if you like. But another technique is, um, is if, you're, if you want to make um, instinctive decisions or emotional ones rather than academic ones, or strategic, if you like, because I'm into, I'm into both those areas now. I use both those techniques. Yeah. But to, 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 to make the right decision, I, I, always, I always sleep on it. And, and it's your first waking thought on that subject 
when you when you wake in the, the next day that should give you the answer that you're seeking. And that's that's the, that's your biggest driver. That's my biggest driver for for if I'm if I'm unsure about making a decision, which isn't often actually, um, then sleeping on it or taking time, taking time with it, and and that time needs to be over a period of days or if you like rather nights so that you can have that waking moment because when you wake in the morning I think your your mind is is sort of clear of those things and then you know your thoughts start seeping in and and start going around in your head and it's how you feel it's whether it makes you feel happy sad whether you're positive confused depressed or you know determined whatever those feelings it conjures up that's that's how you inform the decision that you've maybe been considering. How do you know when it's right? At what point? I mean, I, 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 that's totally down to how it makes me feel. So everybody knows what it's like to feel good. Everyone knows what it's like to feel bad. There's a, 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 a whole plethora of definitions of good and bad. But if you feel nice and you're content and you're smiling within yourself, then you know that's somewhere towards good. If you feel sad and gutted and you can't eat your breakfast or you're reluctant to get up or you're slow in your pace, then you know that's going somewhere towards feeling bad. So, you know, I think, I think most people have the ability to identify the, those differences and, and to... To, to decide it's a, it's a bit like when you meet somebody um, you know it only takes a few seconds to decide whether you're you might like that person or not that may change later once you get to know them but your initial feeling is is there and and often defines that the future of that relationship so why why do people uh, why do people make decisions in their personal lives or work lives that they know aren't the ones they should be making. Why do you think that is? Um, I think the reason for that, and I've done it myself, I've made decisions which, which um, you know, aren't necessarily the right ones. Uh, and, and the reason I think we do this is because we think we're doing the right thing and we're maybe trying to please somebody outside ourselves maybe we're trying to be unselfish or you know we're trying to do the right thing or we know that somebody will approve of us or it will be agree agreeable to a situation or we think it we believe it would be agreeable to a situation to make that choice or decision and um the the, the right choice is always the instinctive choice the one that's that the initial feet reaction you have um, to having to make that decision, and then and then you think about it and you change that. You might change that, and that's where I think we go wrong. Is when we change what what uh, instinctively we first our first reactive feelings are, and we think mm, no, well I, I don't want to do it like that because that so and so is not going to like that, or maybe that isn't the right thing to do, or you know, you refer back to another situation and decide that it would be better. And that's when we go into our academic, into a sort of our intellectual thinking mode. And, and that can stifle our, our instinctive 
decision maker which is there inside us and it's there for a reason um, and all we have to do is listen to it and hear it and, and recognise and be able to translate what it's saying and then you, 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 you can find yourself in that ideal situation of always making the right decision. Even if the outcome isn't, isn't a good one, you know that you've made the right decision because you've based that decision on your instinct rather than on your intellect. When did this, um, when did you um, implement this in your life? At what point in your life did this become a way of life for you or has it always been a way of life for you? Yeah, I started implementing this uh, from a very early age. I wasn't able to sort of actively implement it, but I could um, sort of, uh, well, how can I put it, I could practice or experiment um, by u utilising this technique in terms of, you know, finding a way to deal, the, what I started implementing it, implementing that process to find a way to deal with my life. It was a way of dealing with my life. It was a way of of internalizing if you like or escaping from the harsh uh, realities of, of our existence within which we reside so it was about managing my life so I felt it necessary to start doing that from a very early age and the times I was brought up in people generally uh, didn't feel in control of their lives because the sort of uh, the social the, the society's requirements of individuals were different, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago to, to what they are now. There wasn't as much freedom of expression, um, ambition wasn't uh, something that was encouraged, um, you know, success wasn't something that was encouraged, um, humility and, you know, keeping yourself, keeping yourself to yourself and quiet getting on with what was laid out in front of you uh, was the preferred way and society demanded that individuals uh, an individual that wanted to be part of society should behave in, in, in this way okay. as a society have we got have we become any better I think I think we've be, we've um, we're despite you know the realities of our global situation that in the western world at the very least we were able to um, express ourselves I can remember a time for instance it wasn't that many years ago when uh, the arts was seen as anathema to society you know generally not something that was considered necessary vital or beneficial that has changed dramatically and I knew it would change from a very early age because I saw the way people changed, the way people grew, and how attitudes changed. Even within five years, um, attitudes changed, changed within society. So I felt 99% confident that attitudes would change towards creativity, towards the benefits it could bring to, to, to society and to, within communities as well, and um, to individuals who wanted to pursue a creative career I, I, I was confident that that would change because I, I knew from a very early age how much benefits it brought to me as an individual as a small child let alone what the benefits it could bring to to adults communities 
societies and so on society I have a very young niece um, I think she's a year and a half not a year and three months now yeah. um, how would you say that we could encourage our young people into more thinking from their heart not just their head I know the importance of thinking from the headspace as well yeah. that it plays a part okay. but I, I think at the moment we live in a society where the headspace is all conquering mm. so in our academia how can we encourage what, what methods what strategies how could we make it easier for generations beneath us to express themselves from their heart space? I think the strategy is quite straightforward and I employed this strategy with my own children and that is, it's very simple. A child from a very early age um, expresses or has, has a propensity for a certain type of activity. Some children like to play with cars, some children like to bang things, some children like to run around. These, these are all indicators of where that, that, what the strengths that child has naturally within them, which, which they're naturally born with. We're all well aware of the influence of nurturing that child can have. And there's a huge amount of debate over the nature-nurture dialogue and which has the overwhelming um, influence. But we all know that both factors are of great importance to the development of a human being. A child um, whose parents identifies its strengths and its desires, that child's desires, um, and nurtures and encourages those will almost certainly guarantee a successful individual and a successful adult if those, the, 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 the natural um, interests that the child expresses or displays are nurtured, developed and encouraged. That is, it's as simple as that. And that's something you've, you've practiced. So I you've have got... actively practiced that. That's good, man. Cause you know, you talk to some people who preach one thing and practice something else. So it's good to, um, yeah, man, it's good. I think people have a choice. They can either um, go down the tried and tested route, uh, which is they have historical knowledge of how how things are done, how society shapes and develops itself, or they can be radical and push the boundaries and try and create new ideas or develop new ideas and new ways um, uh, to, to create a better future. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. One last question for you. Legacy. What do you think your legacy will be, and does it match what you want it to be? My legacy will be that um, by encouraging young people to um, explore their creativity, you provide an opportunity for them to have a certain kind of spiritual therapy an opportunity to manage their lives and express any issues or celebrations they may have 
through the creative pursuit. The creative pursuit is merely a tool to the end game, the end game being the ability to manage one's own life and to manage any issues you may have within it. So the legacy for me is one that I've uh, felt strongly that is an important, um, an important, uh, how can I put this? I think it's I think it's an important opportunity for people to have. It, it, it is that um, creative development provides an opportunity for people to manage their lives in a better way. It provides a kind of spiritual therapy. It's a way of expressing yourself in a harmless and it in fact benefits the people around you, your own community, your family, your community, your society, it, it, it can and, and invariably does benefit those around you as well and provides an opportunity for other people and yourself to celebrate your own life through a creative activity. So the legacy for me is to uh, provide an opportunity for people to do that. They can choose whether to, to use that opportunity um, as as a kind of spiritual therapy, therapy, or whether they just want to play music, for instance, or be creative. So they can choose that, but it only take only needs one person to use it in in that way for it to be success. And uh, my objective is primarily to create a lasting opportunity. Uh, available for people who want to do that. It's about expression, man. Fair play to you. Fair play to you. Fair play, fair play. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Where can people find you, Mary? People can find me at the Abbey Gateway. Um, the, the company's called Culture Mix Arts, and uh, we run a school for steel pan music, and we do a lot of other things as well. As I said before, training and development being a key one. Okay. Um, they can find us in Reading, and the email address is mary at culturemixarts.co.uk, and we have a phone number as well, which is 0118-9500-929. Mary, thank you very much for your time. My it's pleasure. Been, it's been Vocal Portrait, and uh, we'll be speaking very soon. If you have something to say, please contact us at www.vocalportrait.com that's www.vocalportrait.com thank you this is john hogg and you're listening to steve rock now is the time at the start of the show i asked the question how much is enough how much is enough time how much is enough love and we just listened to a lady called mary from reading who's talking about expression how much is enough expression? Well, the question doesn't have an answer because it's based upon your personal beliefs. If you believe that you have enough time and you're happy with, well, with being where you are, then you have enough time. If you're not happy with where you are in your life and you require more time, then clearly you don't have enough. So the only person on the face of this planet who should be dictating to you about how much enough is, enough time, enough love, enough expression, is yourself. 
you have the answers already and you know what those answers are. You just need to believe in yourself a bit more to pursue the answers that you require. Be courageous, be brave, dare to be different. And whenever you ask yourself the question, if you're in a relationship and you're wondering if you have enough love, enough expression, only you can decide that. The rest of the world can't. Nobody else can turn around and get into your shoes and tell you how much is enough. But if you are doubting any aspect of your life in that way, that you don't believe you're getting enough, then I would assume that it's not enough. If you're thinking that, and it's time to pursue or go after something more, or maybe it's time for you to express an aspect of yourself in a different way. If you don't have enough time, you need to change something. We can change. As Jim Rohn said in the first part of the show, change is the easy thing. Change, you can change anything you want if you are brave enough to do it. And I believe that no matter what trials or tribulations you face in your life, that you can change and you can answer that question, how much is enough? Because you know how much you have to choose from. I'd like to thank you for listening. You've been listening to lifeconversationsradio.com. My name is Steve Rock. The show is called Now Is The Time. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday between 5 and 6 here on lifeconversationsradio.com.